You're listening to 3CR's Renegade Economist with your host, Carl Fitzgerald, as we investigate the role of landlords, bankers and natural monopoly through the eyes of the commons. Our birthrights, our birthrights. Welcome to the Renegade Economist, where we discuss how economics really should be the science of making it easier for us all. That's what efficiency is all about. And, uh, you know, that is uh, what a fair and decent distribution of natural opportunities could provide for us all. If we did have land to access at a reasonable price without the burden of excess tax paperwork, uh, many more of us would be working for ourselves. But that is part of the agenda to drive up house prices, to put this invisible noose around our neck so that we can't really speak out against our bosses. We can't really uh, have an independent voice where we work. And from that, it puts the employer in a position of power over and above the worker. Now, much analysis has uh, remained at that level, but here on The Renegade Economist, using classical economic analysis based on the teachings of John Stuart Mill, Adam Smith, David Ricardo, and of course, Henry George, uh, we look at the bigger picture to uh, delve into what is known as a rentier, a rent seeker. And this is the analytical tool that has been lost from uh, economic analysis. There are so many examples of leading journalists who talk about these insiders claiming this easy money, but uh, they don't have the economic insight to tie together the, the similar tenets of monopoly rights that are driving this behavior. And that's what a rentier is, is uh, someone who's trying to essentially bribe their way into some form of property rights over a monopoly that has some scarcity value where they don't really need to do much to earn money. The scarcity of that asset continues to increase as society develops, as the population grows. And, uh, yeah, that is uh, some of the easiest money you're ever likely to get. And uh, the tax system has been sculpted to avoid that. So uh, there are some of the central themes we have on The Renegade Economist. And on last week's show, I asked you to do some reading on uh, uh, what that the article on Evonomics called How Economists Have Been Conned Into Blaming Capitalists Rather Than Rent-Seeking Parasites. It's good to see that uh, people such as Michael Hudson, Fred Harrison, Brian Kavanagh, the crew at Macro Business, all of these different economists writing from around the world, backed up by IMF reports, even World Bank reports, they're all coming out and saying, look, if we want to solve inequality, if we want to have a more stable society where the drive for, dare we say, terrorism is uh, reduced, then let's cut back this uh, rent-seeking game in the chase for oil. Let's uh, review 
the incredible advantages those in the world of banking have. And uh, let's, and hopefully in time, we're even going to see that whilst most Western nations have exported their export industry, they've offshored their manufacturing, let uh, developing nations pollute their riverways, well, whilst they've offshored so much of that employment, uh, the construction sector, the housing sector has taken up much of that slack as this giant game of uh, Ponzi property speculation continues unabated. And to think that some eight, nine years after the global financial crisis that so many global cities are back in bubble territory, it is uh, just makes my skin crawl but uh, that's why we hang out every Wednesday on 3CR isn't it ladies and gents so uh, I can deliver this free psychological serve helps liberate my mind from some of the material I'm reading and hopefully helps build up your economic understanding so uh, yeah keep in touch via renegades at earthsharing.org.au yeah, I was talking to uh, my travelling buddy Ian, he and his family and ours have been travelling for a good couple of months now as we're down here at Cape Lagrande in uh, southern Western Australia, just uh, west, just east of Esperance, incredibly white sand here, some of the most beautiful national parks we've seen and Gee whiz, I've just got to take my hat off to all those who help set up the National Parks Network of Australia because uh, there is living proof of the commons in uh, those national parks in that we can at least preserve them for the benefit of all of society. It doesn't need to be ring-fenced and, and sealed off by private interests. There is a role for the public and that is uh, something we must maintain. And as taxpayers, we should have a right in how our taxes are, are levied. And that is one of the core issues we have, is that our tax system uh, penalises not only us for working, but it penalises the whole economy because it is set up in a manner that has... Uh, that essentially drains from the economy and what's known as dead weight costs that account for some 20-odd percent of GDP is basically wasted because we have to uh, pay tax on top of tax, which deters people from doing things in areas where are needed, and uh, that all adds up to reduce the amount of uh, output we could actually uh, deliver if we had a simpler system that kept... Uh, costs at a bare minimum and uh, that's what we talk about here on the Renegade Economist is how to get to that base where we are using the best tax base and lo and behold I uh, had to tweet Naomi Klein recently you've heard me uh, uh, <laughs> slapping some of her analysis about and it was just essentially to say look you've got to update your analysis beyond this tired old leftist prong of blaming billionaires and capitalists and it's more than just the TPP it's uh, the entire economic vocabulary is is tied into avoiding this conversation on uh, these rent seekers and that's why that uh, article in Evonomics was so good referencing Mason Gaffney and the secret and the corruption of economics 
his landmark book with uh, Fred Harrison from uh, the mid-80s that uh, is highly recommended, The Corruption of Economics. So, yeah, when you think back to uh, the fact that even, you know, in the Bible, the Jubilee was uh, mentioned so strongly and for thousands of years, uh, every 50 years, debts were written off. Land was returned to the original inhabitants and slaves were, were released. And it was an understanding that those who controlled the banking system just had so much control over society and the uh, natural opportunities they could access. And so uh, when you think today of any question of what's happening to our banking system, uh, it's just all about control. Uh, it's uh, so frustrating that uh, this push for the Royal Commission into the banking sector was uh, uh, diverted. Seems like that's not going to happen anymore as uh, more and more mortgage uh, uh, forgeries and shady dealings uh, come to light. So, uh, yeah, just interesting to, to point at that because... Uh, it was common knowledge that uh, uh, those who own these monopoly powers should pay something back to the public. And one of the things I've been keeping an eye on as uh, we travel is uh, what's happening with ICAC in New South Wales, the Independent Commission Against Corruption, the only uh, commission that ha has any real teeth to delve into what's going on in the political sector. Well... Of course, Mike Baird, the New South Wales Premier, has a complicated game of politics going on. At one stage, the High Court had limited the ability of ICAC to investigate uh, uh, certain people, and not long after that, Baird introduced legislation to overturn that High Court document, which was good. He was on the side of uh, more rigorous analysis, but now the head of ICAC has left. Sorry, I wish I had more detail, but I'm uh, reporting again offline. From that, uh, Megan Latham uh, was, I think, encouraged to resign, and now he's established a, a three-man committee to um, select who the new ICAC uh, panel is going to be. So uh, uh, Blair Comley, who's uh, one of the, I think, one of the right-wing henchmen of uh, the New South Wales Liberals and probably a future leader leadership candidate. Well, he um, is in on that committee, so it's going to be very interesting to see what goes on uh, there because ICAC, of course, was so powerful uh, in revealing uh, one of the most prominent examples of rent-seeking in Australia of recent times, and that was Eddie Obeid. And some of you may remember back to my interview with the respected Australian journalist, uh, Neil Chenoweth, uh, who uh, does a sterling job with his work at the International Syndicate of Journalists, uncovering the Panama Papers and so forth like that. But uh, even he wasn't aware of how th these monopoly rights tie together. And of course, Eddie Obeid had pushed to have his land rezoned for mining through his mate Ian McDonald, Minister for Mines, so he got that tick. He then was working on uh, cheap water leases through uh, his government contacts there. 
And as a uh, power broker in the New South Wales right wing of the Labor Party, he also uh, leaned on uh, some uh, land valuers to give him sympathetic leasehold fees for his Sydney Harbour cafes he owned. So he was also again trying to enforce uh, uh, monopoly rights uh, to, to give his family dynasty huge advantages. Now, Genoweth has uh, also been on the case of our Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull's link to Mossack Fonseca, the uh, the law company out of, out of Panama that uh, that let these leaks come <laughs> come into public uh, knowledge, and uh, yeah, there we go. Malcolm Turnbull <coughs> was. Uh, a winner through a uh, a group called Star Mining that uh, he and former New South Wales Premier Neville Rann were directors of, and uh, despite um, the the Star Mining director Ian McNee paying bribes of more than two million dollars to secure uh, Siberian mining leases. Malcolm Turnbull made uh, some five million dollars uh, out of those dealings of his so yeah there's an example of uh mcnee paying bribes which is really rent seeking to the russians uh for uh um rezoning of land so they could uh, mine, mine their way away so uh he could have turnbull could have made up to seven million dollars from this deal back in 95 96 so uh something to keep an eye on there yeah, the the Minister of Natural Resources at the time, Boris uh, Yatskevich, was paid some seventy thousand uh, dollars in '94 for home renovations in brown paper bags back in those days. So that's a sort of uh, bribery that does go on in uh, some of the more more uh, risque examples of uh, uh, rent seeking. <laughs> We have to do this together, just us. You're not real. You're not real. What? You are? Is any of it real? I mean, look at this. Look at it! A world built on fantasy. Synthetic emotions in the form of pills. Psychological warfare in the form of advertising. Mind-altering chemicals in the form of Brainwashing seminars in the form of media. Cold, isolated bubbles in the form of social networks. Real? You want to talk about reality? We haven't lived in anything remotely close to it since the turn of the century. We turned it off, forgot the batteries, snacked on a bag of GMOs while we... Toss the remnants in the ever-expanding dumpster of the human kingdom. in branded houses, trademarked by corporations built on bipolar numbers, jumping up and down on digital displays, hypnotizing us into the biggest slumber mankind has ever you seen. You have to dig pretty deep, kiddo, before you can find anything real. We live in a kingdom of bullshit, a kingdom you've lived in for far too long. So don't tell me about not being real. I'm no less real than the beef patty in your... As far as you're concerned, Elliot, 
I am very real. We are all together now, whether you like it or not. Another person to really keep uh, in mind is James Packer. And Michael Evans in The Age had an article out called How Mariah Carey, China and a Tax Bill Made 2016 a Year to Forget for James Packer. Now for international listeners, uh, the Packer family uh, have been one of the most powerful in Australia for the last 80 to 100 years as uh, major media players up until recently they were owners of channel nine our uh, premier tv station but as james packer inherited um, much of the family business he changed tact away from media and into the world of monopoly rights building upon his father's work in establishing crown casino in melbourne where no doubt due to some sort of dodgy dealings Crown Limited got access to incredible waterfront property there for a peppercorn lease of just $1 per year. So James Packer, as I've reported previously on the show, has been trying to figure out ways to structure an investment vehicle that can sell shares for the land-only portion to the South Bank property in Melbourne and also at the Burswell Casino uh, here in Western Australia. So, yeah, the the point that stuck out for me um, in this article was a long and and torrid uh, insight into what James Pack has been through this year with uh, some of his employees arrested in China recently, uh, his bust-up with Mariah Carey, and uh, a tax bill from some 20-odd years ago finally caught up with him. Well, uh, yeah, it's quite uh, unsurprising that uh, uh, after his employees were busted in China for using uh, unfair uh, marketing uh, tools to attract high rollers to Macau, well, the the share price for uh, Crown has, has tumbled, of course. And uh, one of... Um, the biggest projects James Packer has underway, of course, is the Barangaroo project in in Sydney, which uh, has been incredibly controversial. Somehow James Packer got uh, Australia's greatest uh, treasurer, Paul Keating, on board to help uh, a lobby for him to, to get this casino up and running. And, of course, the casino ended up right smack bang in the middle of where the the public uh, park was meant to be and uh, unfortunately the the public interest wasn't maintained and this giant crown sky tower is is coming not only did they claim some of the the land that was was earmarked for uh, the public space but they've also reclaimed a reasonable amount of Sydney Harbour. They've actually built into Sydney Harbour to reclaim land there to to fence off more of the commons, fence off more of our earth uh, in return um, in the hope of some easy casino profits. But uh, yeah, this article goes on to say, look, 
The questions about finance highlights the importance of the property development component of Crown's Barangaroo project. Half the floors in the hotel casino complex are earmarked for apartments, including a two-story penthouse that could approach the $100 million mark. And of course, uh, the article goes on to say, look, uh, all of this development there is seeing auctioneers selling apartments in other buildings along the exclusive strip for almost double the price for which they were bought off the plan three years ago. I remember that. All sorts of Chinese investors queued up. Uh, you had to be there to buy those properties, and uh, now they're selling them three years later uh, for double the price, hey? Probably massaging um, their uh, affairs so that they pay as little tax as possible. Now, here we go. This one out of the New York Times. Wall Street is Europe's landlord, and tenants are fighting back. And uh, this article goes into a similar sort of tale of um, economic treachery. Uh, Again, it was all about uh, the winners and losers from the global financial crisis and in in giant investment banks like Goldman Sachs snapping up huge swathes of distressed debt in Ireland. The article goes on, in the last four years, Goldman Sachs, Cerebrus Capital Management, Lone Star Funds, Blackstone Group and others from America have bought more than 223 billion euros worth of troubled real estate loans from around Europe, nearly 80% of the total sold. So, yeah, how does that work, buying distressed loans? Well, let's just sneak through in the article to, um, let's just look into Ireland and remember that, uh, in 1999, uh, the housing and construction industry accounted for 5.5 billion euros uh, in terms of investment. But by 2006, that had grown to 95 billion. And construction comprised a quarter of the country's economic activity. This is again uh, hinting at what I opened the show with, talking about how we've exported our, our main employment centers and replaced them with this Ponzi game of property speculation. So distressed loans and how it plays out with a big investment bank uh, buys them up. So the article uh, talks about David Walsh, a former firefighter living in Ballybunion on the west coast of Ireland, drove six hours to attend this meeting. Two years ago, Lone Star's Irish affiliate had scooped up the mortgage on his family's award-winning bed and breakfast, the Ballybunion B&B, for a fraction of the original cost. He was angered that he'd not been allowed to buy back his loan at the cheap price the fund received. Soon after, he said, the affiliate mounted an effort to increase his mortgage payments. In the crisis, his bookings had slumped badly and his original bank had agreed to lower his monthly payments to £800 from 2000 They phoned me every day of the week and at night saying we had to increase the payments, Mr Walsh said of the Lone Star affiliate. And he's still being threatened with foreclosure despite there being some questions around the legality of Lone Star's ownership of his mortgage. So... Yeah, let's hope this isn't happening in too many places around the world. But, of course, in Spain, where Blackstone, Goldman and other American firms bought some of those millions of vacant properties we talked about at one stage, there are questions about what sort of rights they have, uh, having bought up these loans at the cheap, to try and 
force change through these communities. And many of the reasons why they try and jack up those mortgage rates is to whitewash that suburb and clear out the riffraff so they can redevelop it and develop yuppie flats that they can then sell for a fortune to property investors uh, who are never going to sit foot in them. We're only going to uh, flip them in a year or two to another property investor who may well never step foot in them as well. So Blackstone Capital, one of my favorite topics. My, oh my, these guys are booming. They are now the largest alternative asset manager in the world with $361 billion of assets under management and approximately 300,000 employees across its portfolio. And guess what? CEO Stephen Schwartzman only takes home $800 million each year. That's despite his uh, stock option payments, no doubt. And of course, Trump has announced his strategic and policy forum. And uh, guess he's going to be the chair, Stephen A. Schwartzman, chairman and CEO and co-founder of Blackstone. So, uh, yeah, he's someone to watch out for, Schwartzman. He's going to be pushing for single-family rental homes to get more and more benefits. And now Ben Carson, who's got some right-wing connections, we're going to find out more about, is now leading HUD, the big American housing department. And uh, there's rumors that uh, the biggest opportunity to boost housing at the federal level, level right now is for the Federal Housing Administration to adapt their multifamily lending product to be friendly to single family investors. So they're essentially saying, look, we want to get insurance in for uh, these big private equity companies who are buying up all the single family rentals. Uh, let's get them some insurance so this market really booms. But gee, the more and more we pay for housing, the less we have to spend on small business. Isn't that fun? Don't we know that by now here on 3CR's Renegade Economists? All right, so good old Blackstone Capital, hey? They're, they're booming. They are uh, picking up all sorts of deals all over the place. Last year, they raised some 18 billion dollars privately uh, through their investment network. Uh, They're supersizing their their real estate holdings according to Bloomberg and uh, yeah, they are buying up all sorts of uh, assets from GE Capital Real Estate in a transaction valued at roughly $23 billion. These are mega, mega numbers. And unfortunately, when these corporates come in, they streamline the services. Uh, the customer service is nowhere near as easy, and uh, payment of rent even becomes a, a struggle in in America, at least, because uh, they just don't use electronic payments like we do. It's crazy. It's it's third world in that sense, America, when it comes to paying bills. Get it together, or is it made difficult on purpose? I do wonder. <laughs> So we started off talking about economics as the science of making it easier for us all. Well, as um, I I drearily remind you every now and again, uh, with uh, democracy uh, superseded by lobbyocracy, it's really only making it easier for insiders to get ahead. 
thus the social fabric is fraying and uh, our hope for the future is dimmed with uh, Donald Trump hiring more and more affiliates of the far right wing, former employees of some of the most controversial climate deniers uh, out there. It is a challenge uh, staying positive, but uh, we've got to hope that whilst the internet lasts, whilst people are doing all this learning, that there will be a time when we can we can see what John Jamison hinted at last week, and that is less lawyers in power and uh, more everyday people who have done the hard work on the ground, respecting community, understanding community, respecting the commons and and understanding they need to be looked after for uh, present and future generations, not just uh, whittled away by insiders, then uh, that's the agenda we need to do stick by. And uh, it, it really comes back to this commodification of land and uh, the monopoly rights associated with that. Uh, the numbers there are just so much bigger than uh, the share market, than uh, banking profits, than those those guys put together so that's why we uh, keep flying that flag that's why we're recording this as we travel australia heading across the nullarbor tomorrow my name's carl fitzgerald thanks so much for listening to us on the beloved 3cr airwaves i look forward to uh reporting in on uh, another aspect of forgotten economic understanding here uh, on 3cr